HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Cabot Creamery. Proud to be a dairy farm family-owned cooperative for more than 100 years. Learn more at cabotcheese.coop. That's cabotcheese.coop. This week on Meat in 3, we're embracing the spooky spirit of Halloween, from zombies to witches. We're exploring the odd, the occult, and the taboo in the world of food. There are restaurants with no storefront, shrunken down into hundreds of square feet versus thousands of square feet. No servers, no hosts, nobody taking your order. The rats in the sewers are now smelling... All of a sudden, fresh food molecules. And those rats were like, holy cow, follow that scent. Tune in to Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. Um, this show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And our guest today is Elizabeth Ando. Already joined us nine times, it's on record, <laughs> on episodes 18, 61, 83, 99, 108, 131, 156, 180, and 200, and shared her truly deep insight into traditional Japanese food culture. And Elizabeth is a good uh, food writer and a Japanese cooking instructor based in Tokyo, and she has lived in Japan for over 50 years. And she runs the culinary arts program called A Taste of Culture, which offers a great opportunity for non-Japanese people to explore Japanese culture through its food. And Elizabeth is also the author of six cookbooks, including the award-winning Washoku, Recipes from the Japanese Kitchen, and Kibo, Recipes and Stories from Japanese Japan's Tohoku, and Kansha, Celebrating Japan's Vegan and Vegetarian Traditions. So today's topic is Shoujin Yori. Um, plant-based foods are becoming increasingly popular globally for health and environmental awareness, 
And shojin ryori is the traditional Japanese vegan and vegetarian dishes that were developed around 800 years ago. And shojin ryori is made only with vegetables and grains without meat or seafood, which is based on the principle of Buddhism that, is it, that it is a sin to take life. So today we'll discuss what exactly shojin ryori is, the underlying philosophies of shojin ryori. Where you can eat shojin yori, how to cook them at home by yourself, and much, much more. But before we start, Japan News is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify as a podcast. So if you haven't, please subscribe to Japan Eats. And、um, uh, we appreciate your feedback, so please write to our review. And now, <coughs> excuse me, let's start a conversation with Elizabeth Ando. Hello, Elizabeth. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be back again and glad that we're able to record at a distance. <laughs> right. So, a tense episode. So,、right. yeah, and you are in Japan, so it's 12 a.m. I'm so sorry. Right. right. <laughs> Thank、I'm, you for staying up so late. That's okay. I'm used to staying up. Thanks.、Um, so,、uh, let's dive into today's topic、uh, shojin yori.、Right. And there's so much to talk about. So, First of all, shojin ryori means shojin style cooking. So, what is shojin?、Um, it doesn't really mean vegetarian or vegan. The word shojin refers to a, a mindset, I think, earnest effort,、uh, wanting to、uh, apply diligence to things.、Um, and when you're talking about、um, food, you're talking about taking pleasure. In doing things well and right and respectfully, mindfully,、um, it's not about making and taking shortcuts,、um, but it's taking pleasure in expending that energy and effort、um, to make things wonderful. And、uh, indeed, because of Buddhist teachings that say that all life is, is precious.、Um, The food itself, the ingredients that are used, are all plant based.、Um, so, nothing,、um, no meat, no fish, no eggs、um, is, is used. It's all plant forward.、Mm, right. And、uh, so, what is the origin of shojin ryori? Well, like so many、um, bits of Japanese culture, origins can be found in China and、uh, Buddhism. Which originated in India actually and traveled the whole way, came into、um, uh, Japan by that, by that route. And、uh, a priest by the name of、uh, Dogen、uh, went、uh, to China、uh, to study and brought back,、um, 12th century Kamakura period,、um, brought back the teachings、uh, and the practice of.、Um, Buddhism, particularly in relation to food and, and nourishment.、Um, and that is thought to be the, the start、uh, in Japan of what is referred to as shojin ryori.、Mm. Um, right. And, so, yeah, so, the, so Dogen、um, started a、uh, school of Buddhism,、um, right. Sotoshu, and、right. uh, it's based on Zen. Right. So, Zen, of course, is,、um, really emphasizes meditation. 
And、uh, that was a th- around the 13th century and the Kamakura、right. period, where samurai started to be more powerful. And、uh, what I heard is, because samurai s are always facing death, right? Because it's、right. like killing each other and、Dangerous. fighting physically,、yes. right? <laughs> and the swords and stuff. So their、uh, mindset was really helped by meditation. And that's why Zen became very popular. And,、uh, and a part of it is、uh, his.、Uh, Teaching includes the importance of food and cooking. So,、right. yeah, there's an in- interesting background. We don't think of samurai, but <laughs> it's connected to Zen and samurai and food. Well, I, I, I think that the, the notion that、um, food is terribly important in creating both physical、um, energy and also spiritual、uh, energy and comfort.、Um, And those all being linked together certainly began with、um, uh, Dogen's uh, teaching. He was also the, f- the first to actually write it all down, to codify it, and to create sort of a, 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 some guiding principles that people who wanted to practice and actually put those、um, ideas into practice.、Um, Things that would be helpful for them to, to know.、Um, very often,、uh, oral tradition uh, spoken um, can get shifted and changed. Once it gets written down, gets codified, it's a whole lot easier for people to actually do it themselves.、Mm. Right. So, the, the, he wrote this famous book, Tenzo Kyokun. So, that's、right. the, the format of the. What he written down and、yeah. everything. And、uh, so Tenzo means uh, uh, the monk in charge of cooking at Zen temples. Right. So, so it's a.、Uh, <laughs> the, the, the chief chef, if you will.、Um, and the Tenzo is a very important position、uh, in the hierarchy of、um, uh, Buddhist temples and monasteries.、Um, the, it, it really.、Uh, Engaged in the responsibility of feeding and nourishing people physically as well as spiritually.、Um, and so it, it was a very important position、um, and, a, and a big responsibility for the um, community, um, the Buddhist community. The Tenzo is, is a very exalted position with a、mm. lot of responsibility. Right. Yeah, we normally don't think of. You know, monks just try to starve and minimize their consumption of food and all those things. But I heard a dog went to China and、uh, yeah. he met、um, another priest and he learned from him how important it is to focus on good,、um, nourishing food.、Yes. Otherwise, you can do、um, good work to improve your spiritual state or, you know, hard、right. work. So.、Right. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, but also to respect、um, the ingredients and the, the diligence and effort of people who enabled them to be able to eat that food.、Um, to always be mindful of, of the, the work and the effort,、um, nature as well as people's、um, ingenuity <laughs> in being、mm. able to, to bring that food.、Um, Into the kitchen, be able to nourish them.、Um, so it's a very mindful and respectful attitude.、Um, and it's, it's interesting. Sometimes it's translated as、um, uh, the, the three attitudes、um, 
of uh, or approaches um, to to making food, uh, but certainly they were um, they were there and made available to a larger community of people to actually practice them. Mm, right. Yeah. Right. It's interesting that what you said reminds me of uh, Japanese school lunches, and uh-huh. it's a very important big deal every day. There's no school cafeteria. People just kids buy from someone, and you know whatever、mm. they want to buy. It's like、yeah. we had some couple episodes about Japanese school lunches because it's the place、right. to learn how to respect ingredients, respect people who are in charge of. Serving you this food,、right. and you join, participate in that part of、uh, food community. So yeah, it's like interesting. This shoujin、um, mindset runs through the modern school、right. lunches. <laughs> well, it, it's it's been a very active part, I think, of、um, the experience of of food, making it and consuming it in Japan.、Um, And it does have a deep, long history,、um, uh, you know, at least eight hundred years and probably older.、Um, but it was codified; it was written down. It was it, a, a set of guiding principles were made very obvious and available to people, certainly in that period of time. And it's、um, interesting. A bit later,、um, there were.、Uh, Chinese priests who then came to Japan. Probably one of the most famous was Ingen, and、um, for those listeners who know that the word Ingen also means string bean.、Um, among other things that he brought、um, to Japan from China were seeds for growing green beans, string beans,、um, and、uh, they have been in part of the diet ever since.、Um, He also brought with him a, a slightly different approach to the creation of a meal, and、um, so there are many different styles of shojin jori in Japan, and、um, many of them are associated with specific、um, temples and、uh, sects of of Buddhism.、Um, but、uh, the one that、uh, Ingen-san brought、uh, is more Chinese-like. Um, the ingredients are, are often more resembling Chinese and the way in which preparing the food,、um, and was known as fucharyori. And it's interesting that there is still.、Um, I, I I imagine that even when the pandemic is gone and、um, travel to Japan will be、uh, enabled again,、um, that uh, manpukuji uh, outside of.、Um, In Uji, outside of Kyoto,、um, will still welcome、uh, visitors and an opportunity to eat a full meal presented、um, fucharyori style,、uh, mm. this, this Chinese sort of style of, of shojin.、Uh, right. Yeah, it is like my dogen is from Kyoto. He went to China and came back, but Ingen、right. is from China, so he's more、right. deeply rooted in Chinese style、uh, shojin. Right, it's not so, called shoujin in China, but in Chinese right, style vegetarian cuisine. But it was very definitely a two-way street.、Um, the 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 first、uh, effort was Dogen who visited、uh, China, but thereafter、um, there was a great deal of exchange back and forth.、Um, mm. Yeah, and there still is. Right. Yeah.、Um, so that's the Chinese one by、uh, Ingen's Fucharyori, 
And、uh, I don't want to get confused, the、uh, listeners, but the AHG style shoujin jori, I think it's by、uh, you know, the Dogen, is、right. more kind of mainstream、uh, classic style shoujin jori, I think. And, and certainly more Japanese like.、Um, The, the way in which the food is, is prepared and the、um, assortment of foods that are made.、Um, I also think it's sort of important that people realize that the kind of、uh, shojin ryori that you can eat at temple restaurants、um, in Japan is definitely not the food that monks eat every day. <laughs> it's. It, it, it's、um, Guest food, it's special occasion food, and it's far more、um, complicated, complex,、um, and uh, numerous uh, dishes being served.、Um, it, it's quite a feast, as a matter of fact, whereas、um, typically、uh, the food that was eaten on a daily basis was. Porridge <laughs> and、mm. uh, Takuan. Takuan is the name of another monk who has a great influence on, on Japanese cooking.、Uh, the Takuan、uh, pickles that people eat are named after a monk by the name of Takuan, who was the first one to introduce that method of pickling、um, dried daikon in、uh, nuka.、Uh, but、um, the very humble everyday food of、um, The monk's daily lifestyle is rather different than the、um, shojin ryori that's available、uh, on special occasions and to feed guests.、Mm. Um, so、right. it's, it's, and it, it really makes sense, right? Because,、um, I mean, on a daily basis, they don't feast on anything, but、um, no. cooking is also a big part of、um, practice, Zen、yes. Buddhism practice. So you don't.、Right. Um, cut corners to serve the greatest, most nu- nourishing food. And、um, I also heard in、uh, Tenzo Kyokun, the book by、uh, Dogen,、right. the, the book teaches you have to take care of you know, your cooking equipment, like、uh, you know, the Ichiro Suzuki took care of his bed, so that that respect、um, actually is going to be revealed on how you plate the dishes in organized ways. And、uh, your kind of how you gracefully act, move, behave,、right. that kind of comes from the attitude. So it's far beyond just cooking.、Uh, very much so.、Um, it is an opportunity as well as an obligation.、Um, it's interesting, I think.、Uh, After years of living in Japan, I'm, I'm always、um, impressed by the fact that、um, obligation doesn't have to be distasteful or, or, or difficult. The sense of being able to provide something, a service, a nourishment、um, to food, is something that people take great pride in and also pleasure. Um, being, being mindful and aware of other people and their needs and the needs of the community and being able to, to satisfy it is、um, something that is、uh, considered part and parcel of preparing food.、Um, mm. It's not just about、um, I'm hungry, I, I need something to fill me up. Um, mm. it's, it's very much more than that. And 
indeed the um, the acolytes, the 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 new uh, comers to the um, uh, temple communities, uh, when they would first be assigned uh, to tasks, were often assigned the task of making um, a dish known as goma dofu, uh, a sesame pudding. And um, part of why they were assigned to it is because it requires diligent attention and a lot of physical effort to make it. Um, mm. Because and, you have to um, process from the seeds, right? <laughs> so right. it's not like uh, the... Uh, the seeds, paste of seeds, but you have to grate it first. Well, the, it. <laughs> right. The, the, you have to toast it first. You have to grind it and grind it to a paste. And um, often when I'm demonstrating the use of a, a traditional sudibachi, the, the mortar and pestle um, that's used to do this, um, we'll say that um, nobody who, who uses a sudibachi regularly has upper arm flab. I mean, it's the easiest way to tone your arm muscles um, is to regularly engage in, in a sudibachi. Um, I don't know of any, um, you know, uh, gym in Japan that offers um, sudibachi exercises, <laughs> but um, it certainly, I think, would work as well as, as you know, bar pressing and anything else. Um, it, it really is a workout in order to make it. But this this whole notion, again, of, of uh, expending energy, um, of focusing deeply uh, on the task at hand is um, part and parcel of what goes with um, making food. And one of the reasons why the Tenzo, the head of the kitchen, was such an important um, position uh, in, in Japan. It's still so in, in the Japanese temple community. Mm, yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, by the way, this, the, we discussed in the past about this uh, amazing equipment, Suribachi. It's basically, it's... Um, you know, the groovy grinding right. kind of ball. And it's <laughs> right. such a magical, most efficiently designed and a beautiful equipment. So, right. yeah, I think every house in Japan, I'm not sure now, but they well, <laughs> used to have it. It's interesting. I just uh, published a newsletter and it's been archived on my website so anybody can go to download it from there. Um, and it was about Suribachi. And to me, what was interesting when I was researching it, um, was that the use of alternative means to grind um, is really very recent. It's post-war Japan. Um, and part of it is because I don't think people thought about using electrical energy or any other simpler method. It was assumed that to perform that task, you needed to be diligent. And I don't think anybody had really thought about trying to make another way to do things. Um, mm -hmm. I must say that that blenders and um, food processors are very popular in Japan, but they haven't replaced suribachi. Mm -hmm. um, they sort of cohabit the kitchen, um, but it, it but gadgets that will perform the work that a suribachi does. It very, very recent in the last, you know, 30 years in Japan, um, mm. 30, 40 years. Um, and 
as I said, many many homes still use both. <laughs> Certainly, right, but interesting, right? Because the sriracha sounds like a groovy, you know, um, right. bowl. Is right. really produces more smell and it kind of meditating. And I I like the kind of texture. You know, you're grinding something it, it's, and it gets smoother. <laughs> it's very right. meditating. It, it, it's very different, and you do get a sense of accomplishment. You can see and, and feel um, the transformation, the change uh, in the ingredients. I also think it's very convenient because then that's the bowl that you put food in and you toss it. So it's sort of like a, a one-pot meal. Mm, <laughs> um, right. it, it, it's a one-bowl um, creation. You don't have to... Um, Use a whole lot of equipment. It's 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 just the one bowl, and right. then you don't have to wash the whole, you know, the food processor and everything, and you get mussels too. So right, <laughs> and, and for people who are wondering how you get the food stuck that's stuck in the grooves clean again, there are special brushes, but also save your old toothbrushes, um, mm. and set them aside and put one in the kitchen. Right. Uh, so, listeners, if you're interested, it's called the Suribachi, <laughs> S-U-R-I-B-A-C-H-I, and right. it's so cool. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, so, um, so what ingredients can you not use in shoujin yori? Um, there are different styles, and some rules are slightly different um, in, in different establishments. But basically, anything that had a life... Um, Mm. is not to be taken. Uh, And it certainly refers to all um, creatures that swim uh, in the waters and and roam about the lands, and also um, eggs, because they were the potential of life, that if indeed you consume them, you are preventing life from happening. so it's plant-based, and um, protein sources are available through plants. It doesn't have to be through animals, um, and you can eat a very balanced diet um, without having to eat uh, meat or fish or eggs. Uh, what about dairy? Um, dairy is not part of um, the Japanese view of shojin. Um, again, it's it's milk that would have been nourishment that could have been used for to keep other lives um, there. It's um, the history of dairy in Japan is um, sort of aborted with with Buddhism, if you will. Um, there are some indications that um, uh, milk uh, was consumed in the Jomon period. Um, but that was like ancient time, like centuries right, and centuries ago. Right, like, like, like 400 <laughs> BC to AD. <laughs> right. uh, I mean, a really long time ago. Um, but uh, certainly in terms of, of modern until really post-war years, um, dairy was not a regular part of um, uh, Japanese uh, food. Um, and as a matter of fact, it was one of the first things that really appealed to me about Japanese food because I never liked milk <laughs> mm. uh, growing up and was always 
um, I grew up in New York City um, and always expected to to drink my milk, and I never really liked it. And uh, landing in Japan, discovered that you could get calcium um, from sea vegetables. Um, uh, really, I love the idea that I didn't have to necessarily drink a glass of milk every day. Right, and you also get <laughs> iodine in addition to right. calcium. All, all sorts right. of things. Wonderful. Right. I, lo I love sea veggies, but anyway, mm. yeah. So, and the, the other thing, um, in ancient shojin yori, you can't eat anything that could stimulate your ah. kind of, yeah. Right. So you can go ahead. Yeah, please explain. So, um, the thought of um, stimulating... Um, so there are, are some schools of, of shojin where things like uh, niniku, a garlic, is not permitted, um, and other um, very spicy foods. Um, they're distractions um, from your concentration uh, was, I think, the so-called reasoning behind it. Um, Depending upon where and who's making the shojin dori today in Japan, you'll find that there's um, quite a depth of flavor, and also chili peppers are are used. Um, not in every um, place where you're going to be eating shojin, but... Um, uh, indeed, indeed, things that might stimulate you are often used today in in shojin. Right. Um, well, but basically they have a they have goshin or gokun. There are like five vegetables, right. including uh, scallions and garlic and uh, shallots and things like they say that can really right. energize people. And people think of something too bad, like sexually motivated or something like that. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, in other words, you need the energy, then eat uh, scallions and garlic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so basically, um, well, I, like you said, there are different mm. um, sects saying right. different things about shojin. But in general, uh, shojin dori is vegetarian and right. uh, sometimes vegan right. without eggs right. or dairy. Mm, but I... I don't want people to think of it as being bland or uninteresting. Um, I, one of the other things I think is so um, terrific about the Japanese sort of approach to food um, is looking for enormous variety within certain limits. And so even though certain things are not being consumed, um, shojin ryori is all about abundance. <laughs> it's all about this wonderful, marvelous um, megumi, the, the 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 wonderful abundance uh, that that is possible out there, and the variations that can be made on it. Um, so shojin ryori doesn't have to be um, tasteless, even though you can't usually use garlic <laughs> or scallions or, or, or chili peppers or, or things of that sort. There are all sorts of ways of coaxing out the innate um, natural deliciousness of your ingredients and having mm -hmm. them interact with each other in ways that um, magnifies that wonderful flavor. Um, right. So... Like, you know, uh, Japan is uh, 
small country, but there's uh, plenty of, you know, the mountains. I think 70% right. of the land is uh, forest and uh, like coastlines, like ridiculously long and complex. Right. So right. there's a word, umi no sachi, yama no sachi. Maybe you can right. explain that term. Right. I, I often call it the surf and turf attitude, <laughs> um, meaning that things from the waterways, that's umi no sachi, and things from the land, yama no sachi. Yama is, is technically a mountain, but it's you're talking about terrestrial and marine. And um, the ability to combine the two together. And I also think it's interesting because it, it indicates uh, or acknowledges um, the awareness of ecology um, centuries and centuries ago and how important it was to source your food um, from different ecosystems. Um, that not only was it good for your body, but it was good for the environment as well. Um, and the Japanese. Uh, encourage the use and the combination of umi no sachi, the, the marine foodstuffs, and yama no sachi, the terrestrial foodstuffs, together. Um, and it's also interesting that um, even the same um, nutrient, such as calcium, um, is slightly different if you source it from... Um, land things, um, beans, soybeans in particular, uh, or sesame seeds, which are also rich in, in calcium, and um, something like hijiki or wakame, which are, are sea veggies, uh, and being able to combine them together in the same dish or at the same meal, um, it's almost exponential. It, 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 it increases and makes better each of them because they're combined together. Um, but this mm. this notion of um, surf and turf, the the mar marine and terrestrial, is ancient in Japan, and um, it also reflects the ecosystems. They're they're very different, and they produce very different uh, food resources for people. Mm. Right. So the shojin yori is Japanese style, you know, uh, vegetarian vegan. Cuisine, right. even if it came from China, so it's because of the Japanese landscape, climate, everything made it unique right. as shojin yori, right? All right, so we'll take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll discuss uh, principles of shojin yori that makes it so delicious and satisfying. So please stay with us. Cabot Creamery has been making the world's finest dairy products for over 100 years. Cabot's award-winning cheddars and other dairy products stand apart because of their farmers' tireless dedication to quality and freshness, caring for their animals, and to healthy land and a sustainable future. More than a century after they started this journey, Cabot's farmer owners still know what matters most, family and community the simple truth that we're stronger together than we are apart. That delicious products are the reward of a job well done. That when you love what you do this much, that the best is always still to come. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Eats, broadcasting live from a studio 
studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn, but uh, our apartments, uh, I don't know, Elizabeth, where you are, but <laughs> I'm in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. This is my apartment studio. Um, so uh, today's uh, guest is Elizabeth Andel, a food writer and a cookbook author and a Japanese cooking instructor based in Tokyo. So um, let's see. So one of the most important principles of shoujin yori is gomi goshoku goho. Right. So it's kind of mouthful, but what is that? <laughs> um, five colors, five flavors in five ways. Um, the colors are usually red, green, yellow, and black and white. And the reason for um, encouraging uh, e- the f- each meal to include all of those colors is nutritional balance. Um, the color or pigment of a food is pretty much a roadmap to the nutritional uh, value of that food. Um, not all red foods have exactly the same nutritional profile, um, but... Um, Similarly, you're going to get your your carotene, you're going to get your polyphenols, uh, all the the things that red foods can provide you. Uh, Yellow foods will provide a slightly different set of nutrients for you. Uh, Green foods different, uh, white and black. And if you combine them all together in in the same meal, you don't have to really worry so much about um, balancing uh, your diet. the go me and it's uh, that's not go me as in garbage it's five <laughs> flavors um uh it's interesting depending upon who you talk to uh they talk about different um numbers and different words for it but the the classic five the big 3 were sweet sweet sour and salty and the sort of mm, other two flavors that helped encourage the others were um, uh, spicy and bitter. And um, umami was not, and tammi was not part of that original set. Um, So sort of want to set that aside. But bitter and spicy are very often um, good accents to the meal. But having a balance between sweet and salty and sour is really important in controlling your appetite. Um, It's what provides satisfaction in a meal, not just the volume of food that you're eating. And um, I will often encourage people who say they have difficulty in feeling um, full, uh, to be more mindful of a balance between sweet, sour, and salty. Uh, I think most people, um, I don't know if you're a sweet tooth person or a salty person. I'm a, more of a salt person. Um, it's hard for me to eat just one osembe or, or one salted peanut. Um, but a lot of people have the experience of having for example, eating a whole bag of, of potato chips and then craving something that's sweet. Um, and uh, on the other hand, maybe they've just finished a whole box of cookies and now they really want something salty. <laughs> um, so the cravings between um, 
uh, salty and sweet. Most people have uh, experience of it. And so this notion of balancing the five flavors by having all of them present um, and balanced out at the same meal is to avoid food cravings so that you eat an appropriate amount of food and you don't overeat. Um, uh, spicy and, and bitter also help um, control that uh, appetite in a good way, uh, not to remove the desire to eat good food, but rather to feel comfortably full um, eating an appropriate amount of food. So the five flavors mm-hmm. uh, help you accomplish that. Um, the gohu or the five ways are uh, about really two things, I think. One is um, multitasking in the kitchen <laughs> and being able to engage uh, in, in preparing food in many ways um, simultaneously in a small space and with uh, limited equipment. Um, so the the big three ways are nama or raw, meaning not applying heat at all. Um, nidu, which is uh, it's a it's one word in Japanese, but there's so many words in English: simmer, boil, uh, blanch, stew. Anything that has a bubbling liquid would be nidu. Um, and then there's yaku, which is to sear with heat. And again. Um, broiling, grilling, um, sauteing, um, anything where you're going to get layers of flavor where the outside and the inside is typically different because um, the the application of heat has been different. So those are the big three, not using heat at all, um, using some sort of a bubbling liquid uh, to transform your ingredient, and using um, some sort of searing heat um, on it. The other... um, uh, two methods were steaming, and that's where you have moist heat surrounding something. It's probably the most efficient way to prepare food um, in terms of, of fuel efficiency. Um, and then frying, which um, really the Chinese did introduce to the Japanese. The Japanese had oil, but they used it as a fuel in the old days. They didn't think to actually eat it <laughs> or use mm. it in preparing food until. Um, the influence of, of, of Chinese Buddhism um, came into Japan, and uh, it really took hold with the Portuguese and uh, tempura, which is now a classic dish <laughs> and thought of as being, you know, really Japanese, was originally a foreign food. So the whole notion of, of preparing your food using oil was was originally foreign, but it, it's now very well adapted into the Japanese um, kitchen. So those were the five methods. And the advantage of being able to uh, include all of them, it sounds like it's a lot of work, but really it, it encourages multitasking. Um, the, the advantage in terms of um, limited uh, food resources Um, So in the old days, long before there was refrigeration or very swift transportation where you could easily get a food from one place to another quickly before it would spoil, you pretty much had what was within walking distance of where you were um, at any given time of year. Um, So it was very regional. It was very seasonal because that's all you had. 
And the ability to be able to transform a limited number of ingredients, make it interesting and varied, um, was by using different methods. Um, also, if anybody's ever grown zucchini, is usually the example I give, um, overabundance, or if you've gone crazy at the farmer's market in the fall and bought 10 bushels of apples, um, the ability to prepare the same ingredient and make it seem different um, is to be versatile in the goho, in these five methods. To, to take the same ingredient to prepare it differently um, was important. And again, it I think it's an indication of an early awareness of ecosystems and, and the need to um, be concerned about um, natural resources and not mm. to overuse them and to be able to encourage the natural um, cycle of bounty um, right. it was to use five methods um, mm. as well. Yeah. Right. So, gomi goshoku goho. So, five taste, uh, five methods, and five right. colors. So, I mean, five colors makes it more colorful and looks delicious. And, uh, I mean, the balance of the taste. I mean, all those right. things, gomi goshoku, as far as you follow this uh, gomi goshoku right. goho, then you are nourished in a very balanced way and uh, right. you're satisfied without any. Um, you know, frustrating, like right. you, you said, the bag of chips versus, <laughs> right? It's like, uh, I mean, I was thinking the other day I was drinking matcha, right. and right. Uh, because it's so bitter, there's right. some sweetness in tea leaves, and that's right. the balance. You, That's a complexity. Your brain just perceives something, right. and it's very satisfying. So that kind of idea goes throughout this uh, gomi gosho Japanese. It's not on, only shoujin yori, but Japanese cuisine. Uh, I, I think very much so. It, it, it's part of the larger, um, it's been practiced so often. And um, people um, have felt the positive results of eating that way. I also think the, of them as guidelines. It's interesting, again, how different words are used to translate different concepts. And um, they're guiding principles, but I think of them more as guidelines than principles. Uh, the word principle to me sounds like somebody's going to slap your hand if you don't do it. <laughs> you mm. sort of get punished if you don't do it. And a guideline sounds really helpful. Um, it's something that can help you achieve something that you want to do. And I think of um, the five flavors, five colors, five ways as very helpful guidelines. It's, it's almost, um, again, a roadmap. And especially when you're busy and you you're, don't want to think an awful lot about pulling together a menu. Think about color, think about flavor, and think about different ways of, of preparing the same ingredient. Um, mm. And I think it'll be easier. It takes less time and energy and effort <laughs> to, to pull the meal together um, if you use those guidelines. Right. And uh, one... Um Another principle right. that's related to uh, shoujin ryori, it's uh, there's a word ichimotsu zenshoku. Right. Maybe you can talk about that. Um, it's using food fully, and it's um, interesting. Uh, the book that that 
I focused on most with that was Concha. And um, that was uh, published in, in the year 2010. And that was just 10 years ago. And as I was writing it, it was still, my editors were encouraging me not to use the word kitchen scrap. It sounded very unappetizing. And uh, talk about all the parts of the ingredients that you would normally throw away, that you wouldn't be eating. Um, the peels, the seeds, um, the roots, uh, and the notion that you could use an ingredient completely and fully. And again, um, it was interesting with the Iron, the first Iron Chef um, uh, television uh, shows, and you would have a particular challenge where you were given a single ingredient and you had to make a multi-course meal out of it. That's a notion that really existed for hundreds of years in Japan, um, this notion of, of making a meal uh, from very limited uh, foodstuffs, that be, by being able to use all parts of it, all edible parts of it, um, you were you were creating a meal that was completely satisfying. Um, so I I prefer the explanation that it's using food fully rather than no waste. Um, the the word in Japanese for no waste is motayanai. And it, it's true that, again, that's used to talk about it, but it, it still sounds like somebody is sort of slapping your hand <laughs> rather right. than encouraging you to use the whole, the whole food. Um, right. Well, in Japanese mindset, though, um, it's, you know, what do you define as a waste is a subjective. And, right. I mean, tuna, toro used to be thrown away because it's too fatty for Japanese people. And then now it's like gold. And right. also, like if you, um, you know, in, in Africa, lion right. kills an animal, it goes right. straight into the gut meat, organ right. meats, because it's the most nutritious. And that's why Japanese, and I don't that's why, but right. Japanese people have a lot of, you know, they, they go to Japanese restaurants specializing in organ meats and right. hormone restaurants, and they are delicious. And it's you get powerful. Right. I mean, next right. morning you wake up, so you get energized for sure. Right. So it's yeah, it's, that's the yeah. It, yep. It's interesting that when I the first proposal that I wrote for Concha Concha. Uh, was eventually published as a vegan and vegetarian book. And we decided that that was the way to go with it. Um, but the original proposal that I had made for it included a recipe for bone crackers, hone senbe, because um, there are certain fish that after you have filleted them, um, you can deep fry the, um, the skeleton and they're delicious. It's crunchy like osembe. Um, and the fact that uh, also there are some fish, the scales, if you deep fry them, they're better than um, croutons. <laughs> um, right. they, can be very, they can be very crunchy. So the notion that you would be, um, from the very start, you're approaching your ingredient, um, trying to utilize everything. And and by doing that, you're respecting nature. You're respecting the people who have um, harvested what nature has has given them. Um, and you're also providing yourself and the others that you're feeding the optimal advantage of that food. Um, 
you know, nothing is being spared. Uh, right. Right. It's also right. frugal. So, <laughs> mm, right. But that's the, again, waste is defined by you. And right. uh, waste may be gold. So um, we're kind of running out of time. So let's talk about um, the where you can eat um, shojin dori in Japan. Do you have any suggestion? Um, well, as I said, things may change once the pandemic has calmed down. Um, right now, uh, visitors to Japan are not welcomed. Um, and uh, the impact on the hospitality industry has been enormous, especially because originally this was supposed to be the year of the Olympics. And um, lots of places were, were going to be opened and welcoming um, visitors. So I would suggest that when finally able to come visit here in Japan, that uh, some of the, the key websites, the JNTO, Japan National Tourist Organization, has an excellent website that's constantly updated as to what restaurants are available. But in general, um, most uh, there are certain temples that will offer uh, vegetarian cuisine. Most of them are in the Kansai area, uh, Kyoto area, but there are other parts of, of Japan that uh, will have um, options for eating at, at temples. And there are some private um, uh, restaurants that also offer um, uh, shojin jori. Um, but how many of those private um, institutions will be able to offer um, uh, shojin menus once uh, restaurants restaurant going becomes possible again? I'm I'm not really sure confident. Um right. the the impact on the hospitality industry has been uh, right. devastating. Well, actually, yeah, so I I looked up and there are mm -hmm. I mean if you go to Kyoto, there are temples that you have to go like Ryuanji, right. uh, Ryuanji. Ryuanji is uh, famous for its beautiful stone garden. Yes. And uh, it's like a must in Kyoto and they offer shojin uh, right. yori. And, and also there's a Yep. Yeah, Mampukuji the that that offers chadyori is fantastic. It's outside of Kyoto. It's in Uji, um, but uh, a fabulous um, meal, uh, Mampukuji, and it's chadyori. It's this Chinese style, um, and I was there fairly recently. Like it seems like. Uh, decades ago, but it was really just last year. <laughs> right. Um, and in, and okay, in, so that's right. So that's yeah. Mampukuji. In, right. So that's in Kyoto too. Um, right. All right. So listeners, if you look up uh, Google Shojin Dori, uh, right? Is yeah, it's H O G I N J I N S H O J I N. It's Shojin Dori. Right. Then you know Shojin cuisine. Then there are a bunch of places, and especially in Kyoto, that would be very interesting. Hopefully. Um, everybody can travel more freely sometime oh. in 2021. But so uh, speaking of, uh, so facing the challenges of uh, the pandemic, you started right. an online group <laughs> called Tsudoi in spring. Right. So are you still doing the program? Uh, absolutely. We're in unit 15 and nearly okay. 600 members. Um, right. And um, if you go to my website, 
tasteofculture.com and click on the Tsudoi uh, link, you'll be uh, taken to it. It's a Facebook group um, because they offered the platform to be able to do it. Uh, you do have to apply. Um, those people who uh, a full description of, of our goals and the rules. Um, there's nothing very special about the rules. It's basically being um, nice <laughs> and um, being uh, curious and wanting to uh, learn more about um, what the Japanese kitchen can offer. Um but it's, uh, I'm also trying to create a community uh, where people can connect with each other and uh, continue to be a very global uh, membership. Right. Um, so your mission, this mission of Tsudoi Group is to, right. to explore the practice, key concepts right. within Japanese culinary culture. So basically, you learn how to cook and you share recipes and you just actively yes. participate in learning Japanese cuisine. So, right, right. Yeah. And, and it's a community of, of people to do that. I'm really not able to teach in person, although I am doing one in two-day two intensive uh, later this month, and there is a chance, if you're already resident in Japan, you're listening to this, um, on my website it describes what it is, but it's only for people who are already here in Japan. Um, and very special rules um, dictated by um, the new hygiene rules um, uh, in the pandemic era. Uh, we have to wear gloves, we have to wear masks, um, and there are other things that we cannot do, certainly not sharing food right. that makes Okay, but, so the details, all details are Taste of Culture, it's uh, right. tasteofcultureoneword.com, and then right. you have all the links to uh, the Tsudoi project, and other and, programs. And also Kitchen Culture, um, my regular blog. Um, you'll find the, the recipe of, uh, for uh, gomadofu if you want to try to be diligent and earnest. And if I also offer some alternatives to true diligence if you want to. Um, and a backlog of, oh, dozens and dozens of um, recipes and topics. Uh, so anybody who's interested in exploring further should do that. Um, and look forward to, to seeing you at Sudoi. <laughs> All right. So again, uh, it's on www.tasteofculture.com right. and uh, all the links are there. So thank you so much, Elizabeth, for staying up thank so late you. and uh, giving us such a great, um, many, many ideas and your passion for Japanese food. Thank you. All right, so listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japaneats at heritageradionetwork.org or akikokatayama.com. Japaneats is always available at heritageradionetwork.org and iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Engineers, I'm Anna Wang, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Japan Eats is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio.
You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.